With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back, fight fans, to the big fight reaction. My name's Sean, your host, joined by Johnston, as always, to highlight what is an early contender for fight of the year, as Lee Wood dramatically, and I say very dramatically, stopped Michael Conlon in round 12 of a scheduled 12 to retain his WBA championship in what was a brilliant, brilliant fight. Really excited to be reacting to this one because of how dramatic it was and how topsy-turvy the fight was and how seemingly it looked like it was going to be an early night at the office. Lee Wood getting dropped early on in the fight, looking like Conlon was going to stop him in the following round, but then somehow he battles back and... You know, we were talking about this in the preview for this, Johnston, about how are these guys going to win this fight? We talk about keys to victory, and the one thing I will say is is Lee Wood, he kind of did exactly what I said would be the best way to, to beat Michael Conlon, essentially. He ground him down over the course of 12 rounds and, and gets him with that, that stunning finish to the fight. But Michael Conlon boxed really well through, through a lot of spells of the fight, but... For me, he elected to trade on too many occasions, and I think that was what his downfall was throughout the course of this fight. That That's sort of my opening statement for, for, for this fight, but I'm going to hand it to you, Johnston, and just sort of get your initial reaction to Wood and Conlon. It was a brilliant fight. Um, I mean, definitely an early fight or early contention for fight of the year. It had everything, didn't it? It had knockdowns from both fighters, and it had a stunning finish so late in the fight. Um, and and you're right. I mean, Conlon, what a start for him. I mean, we're going to a bit more detail in a minute, but a fantastic start from Conlon. And um, I was enjoying watching him box. I thought he was, he was fighting really well. Um, and, and I loved the work to the body. I loved the fainting as well. And and he, he seemed to be, 
in his element at times and then Lee especially when Lee Wood was hurt and then it's just sort of as you say he, he can't help himself he has to trade and uh, and eventually that was his downfall but all in all what an absolute classic classic fight and it's one um, I'm sure we'll be going back to years to come and watching this because uh, yeah it was just a stunning fight it really was I'm telling you, in about another three or four years' time, this will probably come up on Legendary Nights, won't it? Like, when we think of Absolutely. fights and stories to go with the fights, you know, seemingly the champion is the underdog in this fight going into it, but he manages to overcome adversity to, to go on to stop Michael Conlon. And, you know, it was it was, it was was really nice as well to see at the end, you know, how respectful Lee Wood was towards Conlon because the ending was dramatic in the sense that he, he knocked him out and he fell through the ropes backwards and, and by all accounts hit his head on the floor. So there's a lot of drama going on there to make sure Michael Conlon is okay. And Lee Wood's going around the ring telling his fans, you know, calm down, calm down. Because this is really serious, essentially. This could have been a serious injury. Fortunately, it wasn't. And Michael Conlon was okay. And, you know, they had pictures together the day after. And Michael Conlon's talking about running this fight back. Because, you know, I think he feels he, he made a... An error in that last round because looking at the scorecards now in hindsight he was ahead I think by two rounds and I think on every card I mean I could be wrong on that I don't know if you know Johnson but I remember seeing the scorecards the two, next day two and one or it was, it was actually it was one um, and then it was it was one on two and then it was um, three on another all in favour of Conlon. I had Conlon about a couple of rounds going into that last round, even with the knockdown. I think he, I think he was, I think it was a fifth round. I think I believe I went even, uh, but the rest, I, I, I pretty much judged the fight Conlon at the beginning, and then Lee Wood gradually worked his way back into it from around around seven eight, um, and and he started to sort of take over, and then obviously he had that 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 moment in the 11th when yep. would you think was it a knockdown I mean he's hit his hand onto his onto his chin so I mean I've only watched the fight once I haven't watched it again I will love to watch it again and I will do but um it seemed to me like he like Lee would sort of threw that shot and he hit Conlon's glove which hit his chin and he sort of slipped as well but I do think it was a knockdown I mean I, I don't know if you've, if you've watched it back what did you think it was really difficult in real time to judge if it was definitely a knockdown or if it was definitely a slip, it does look like he loses his balance. I think that's quite evident that he loses his balance going backwards to evade the punches. However, it does look like he scuffs him with either his side of his glove or his, or his forearm as well. And it looks like some sort of connection was made. And that's why the referee, Steve Gray, has said, it was a knockdown. And obviously, the Conlon corner, a furious Booth was in there. Adam Booth was going nuts yeah. in between rounds 11 and 12 because, you know, as far as they could see in real time, he slipped. And I can understand why because it happened so quickly. You know, Lee Wood's throwing this left hook, this short left hook in, and it, it could probably look like it might have not connected. But I think looking at the replays after watching it back, it does look like there was some sort of connection there. So... Evidently, it wouldn't have really mattered uh, because Lee Wood stopped him in the end. But I suppose if it would have gone to the cards and it was very close and Lee Wood would have got the decision, then that would have been a talking point of controversy. But it's irrelevant now because of the fact that Lee Wood did go on to stop him in the 12th round. And I was really happy to see him putting that pressure on as I wanted him to do, you know. I, I, I didn't really have a bias in the fight, but, you know, I like to see fighters trying to... Uh, 
go to a game plan and trying to use their strength to try and win a fight. And I think Lee Wood did that, although I felt like he was hit way too much. I think if this was a another fighter with more punching power, would he have lasted until that 12th round? That is a question that remains to be answered yet. And I'm sure at some point we will get to find that out with Lee Wood. I just don't think he's going to be able to continue on fighting that way against every fighter because he will come up short. He has got a good chin. He's shown after that first knockdown, which looked really heavy in the first round, he's shown he's got a chin. He's shown he can get up. He's shown he's got heart and resilience. We've seen it before when he won the title against Kanzu. But against a big puncher, will he be able to manage to get back up? Will he be able to get through the fight going in face first, which is what at times he seemed to do? I don't know, but I'm not going to take that away from him. This is a future conversation to have. I'm going to give him all the credit in the world for battling back and and overcoming the adversity early on. And, and he even got hurt early on in the second as well. And it looked like maybe it was good night Vienna in the second. But he managed to battle his way back and he managed to get there and put the pressure on Conlon later in the fight, who seemingly started to slow down for me. For me, it was like a frenetic pace and I don't think Conlon... He's used to that, and he doesn't box at that pace, and I think that pace took a toll on him as the fight wore on, and I think that's where Lee Wood came into it, and that's how we managed to you know, start to bully him around a little bit more, and, and the shot seemingly later on in the fight probably wasn't as impactful as they was earlier on in the fight, so he probably felt like he was able to walk through them shots, Lee Wood. Not advisable, of course, but he obviously felt like he wanted to walk through him, because he did, and, and he managed to get that stoppage, and it was a great fight overall for me. It was it was a fantastic advert for the sport of boxing. You had the boxer against the puncher, and the puncher prevailed on this occasion. And this is the type of fight that we need to see to promote the sport going forward. You know, you need to see guys with skills. You need to see guys with heart and desire and determination. And this this gives us everything we wanted to see out of a fight. It did, and uh, I mean, I think maybe Conlon's downfall was the fact that he did not wood down so early in the fight, because I think he sort of overexerted himself in the next sort of two to three rounds, where, especially in the second as well, where he, he see Wood was in trouble, and and he and he really went for broke at times and threw a lot of punches, and I think that that fatigued him going into the later rounds, and. And we did identify the fact that he does love them ropes. He, he he tends to back off fighters. And then once his back fills the ropes, then he sort of slips out and tries to change the angles. But the more the fight went on, the more he wasn't able to do it. Legs weren't quite there. You know, although he's riding a lot of those shots from Wood, when Wood was sort of throwing all those combinations in and Conor was sort of ducking and weaving and dodging around. And yes, there weren't accurate, clean cut punches to the chin or to the body at times, because he was covering up really well when he was moving himself. But even those punches, I mean, Cole Froch said the right thing when he was just saying, you know, no matter what, no, they weren't clean, but they hurt you. They really do. And you're hitting the elbows and, and your upper arms. You know, can you imagine, you know, a big puncher like Wood just punching away on the top half of your arms? You, your arms are going to tire. And then, I mean, looking at that, that 11th round, just going back to that 11th round knockdown again, I mean, the one thing I did notice, I thought, oh, was it a slip? Was it a punch? Weren't too sure. Even on the replays, you couldn't really work it out. But I, will, I must say, they must have taken effect on Conlon, that knockdown, because I felt like when he went back, he did stagger a little. And then, obviously, he came out and, 
and he was out cold, wasn't he, as well, when, when, when Wood had him up against the ropes. And you see his head lean forward, the hands went, he was he was out at that point, and he's obviously caught him again. And, and that's where Leeds obviously felt quite sad about it. I mean, I've, I even see a, a clip on YouTube of him in tears after in, in the press conference because he was so concerned about Michael Conlon and, you know, for all the, the trouble of the end of that fight, I mean, it was a brilliant fight. It really was. Definitely the best fight this year. And, you know, the fact of the matter was, would celebrate. People give him a bit of hard time about that. He's going to celebrate instantly. He was probably expecting Conlon to jump up, and he didn't. And then that was when he was, like, telling he, his whole corner as well, telling the crowd to just calm down a little bit. And even then, he didn't celebrate. And um, and I think it just shows you that, although it just how great this sport is, just how dangerous it is at times, and how these guys, when they do go into the ring, they, they have all this, uh, like, the heart and the ability but sometimes it could go tragically wrong. And I think that's a great example of that. And also the the relationship that two guys can have after beating the shit out of each other for 12 rounds. It's, 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 it, 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 there's no sport like it, mate. It really isn't. And and I think just in terms of the fight and everything else after it as well, I think um, it was just a tremendous night of boxing. So looking at where they go next then, the initial reaction from Conlon is he wants to go back and run it back. He wants the rematch and... There's obviously, you know, good a good way to promote that rematch because it wasn't just like a one-sided affair. Yeah, it, it was a it was a spectacular ending to the fight, and people could say, well, you know, Lee Wood battled back and he won that fight fair and square. But Conlon was winning the fight on the cards. You know, yeah, it was close, but he was winning the fight on the cards. He's, he made a mistake. He's got every reason to request a rematch. I mean, when Dillian White got sparked by Povetkin. He got his rematch, didn't he? You know, that was the same thing. He was dominating Povetkin. And then, you know, he got his rematch. He got sparked out and then he got his rematch. It wasn't as a much of a domination in this fight with Wood and Condon, but there's definitely an argument there for a rematch. However, if you're Lee Wood, I'd be having my eyes more fixated on the winner of Josh Warrington and Kiko Martinez for the IBF title because now Kiko holds the IBF. Whoever wins that between these two, really, as a WBA champion, you're going to be looking towards the winner of that because you know you've got Josh Warrington, who brings a massive Leeds crowd with him. Then, you obviously, you've got the Nottingham crown for, for Lee Wood. That could sell out a, a stadium. That could sell out a, a bigger venue in the UK if that was to happen. Two British featherweights, you know, unifying two titles, IBF, WBA. But even if it was Kiko Martinez, if he comes through the fight and defends the title, the Kiko Martinez fight, they might look at that and go, yeah, okay, he's, he's still a dangerous fighter, but he's cracking on now. He's cracking on. Surely he's there for the taking. Maybe that's what they could be thinking. I think either way, I would personally, and this is only me personally speaking, I'd be fixating my eyes onto that bout coming up and seeing who wins because I think it would make a bigger fight if Warrington won because of the, the old British aspect of it, the fact that they've got big sort of football followings behind them as well. You know you're going to sell out in the UK. You know it's probably going to be a fight that Hearn would want to put on pay-per-view absolutely 100%. So I think that's, if I was Eddie Hearn, I'd be licking my lips and thinking, you know, hopefully Warrington comes through this fight and then we can get a big stadium fight on. Would you want to see the rematch or would you prefer that? Or does it matter either way? I think... Um... 100%. Look, you would be crazy to think that, you know, Lee Wood is still the WBA champion. You know, he will be watching the Warrington and Martinez fight with keen interest. 
and I think we'll all be sort of rooting for Josh. You know, we would anyway. You know, he's a British fighter, but um, I think because of the fact that he's got that Leeds following, and because Lee Wood has shown, you know, that Nottingham for, uh, following, which was great to see. You know, we ain't seen that since Cole Frotch. So it's great to have that. And they're, they're a great bunch, the Nottingham fans. Um, they just won their game as well in the daytime. And then they go and, uh, or, or I think it was I think it was in the day. I think it might have been there the day before. I can't remember. But either way, um, uh, yeah, not like they, they enjoyed the football and then they've gone and watched their man win, win their fight. Um, I mean, it it makes sense. It I think uh, even Eddie Hearn said um, the city ground, which is uh, Nottingham Forest's ground, is, is where Lee Wood would love to fight. Josh Warrington had that opportunity. Ellen Road didn't work out against Lara in their second fight. So they're both. If if Warrington gets through it, they've both got a world title. Who? I mean, how would that go? It'd be a flip of a coin, really, wouldn't it? I think Lee would really wants to fight in at the City Grand, and I do honestly think that that would be a very interesting fight because Warrington is a come forward fighter, and I think Lee would is is actually a better fighter against those guys that come forward at him. So um, it'd be interesting that one, um, and I would preferably like to see it at the city ground i would and i think that would be the fight i'd have next i think that'd be the better fight i know it means conlon and uh, wood don't get it on straight away but i still think that conlon wouldn't wouldn't do him no harm in just getting another win under his belt and then looking at the winner of that well that would probably be the more logical route to take uh, especially if you're a promoter and you're looking at what's going to sell the most tickets and make the most money you're going to want to see the fight we've suggested so we'll see what happens i think it's credit where yeah. credit's due at the end of the day to both men michael conlon's shown that he has also got grit heart and determination and that's something we've not seen from him yet so it was good to see that from him and we also shown that regardless of what people might say about him you know his timing obviously makes up for what people think is lack of power with him as well. You know, his timing was, was spawn in the fight for, for, for the most part. You know, he was able to hurt Wood on Brilliant. multiple occasions. And I think that's something he's got to be given credit for as well. And I think he will bounce back. And I think he will be eyeing up how how the featherweight division gets manoeuvred around. And maybe he could be the one, like you say, waiting in the wings. But we'll see if, if there's a rematch clause, which there usually always is then maybe that rematch will happen. But if there hasn't been one in the contract, then Lee Wood's free to go and look at the potential winner of Warrington versus Martinez. So, yeah, the, the I think the future's bright for both of these men at this point in time. Conlon will bounce I think also, out. just, sorry, jumping in, Sean, I think the other thing is as well, if you've got, if Warrington gets through, you've got two British fighters with world titles, it just, it, it makes more sense because the chances are if if Warrington then goes and fights, say, Lara, which is what, what, what looked like, which was, discussing beforehand he goes and loses that title and then you know it, it creates you don't you lose that unification big fight and i think with eddie he's going to want that i think it, it just over that takes president over a rematch i think that's the problem so that was the main fight for this weekend for us the undercard a couple of fights that i wanted to sort of talk about with you johnston and and, and obviously for the listeners benefit is gary cully mentioned about gary cully and having this step up against miguel vasquez and i, I felt he did pretty well actually I, I was actually you know quite enjoyed seeing him in action and, and he seemed to find his range after after the third round once he'd put vasquez down but i kind of felt like vasquez looked a little bit old to be honest with you in this fight he started to 
he started to look all of his 35 years of age and just remember you know he's he's been around for for quite some time now he's been around since 2006 he made his debut against Canelo Alvarez of all people so he's been around for quite a while now I think he's definitely on the back end of his career but because we've seen him you know get some 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 good wins in his career and we've seen him in some with some of the names in the UK like the O'Hara Davises and the Lewis Ritsons of the world I think people tend to think he's the benchmark for up-and-coming fighters in in that division, in the lightweight division, and I think Gary Cully's shown that, you know, I think he's on the decline a little bit, Vasquez, not to take any credit away from Cully, I think he's uh, he's a good step up for him, he needed it, he needed to push his career forward, and he's got that victory, knocking him out in round five, stopping him, and and that's great for him, Uh, but if you're looking at Gary Cully now you're looking at where do you want to take him now obviously you know the the, the lightweight division is a really hot division in boxing at the moment and where do you where do you look at putting you know Gary Cully now because there's a lot of names above him even domestically that you could potentially look at I mean Maxi Hughes would be one of them you know Ricky Burns is still floating around could could he be back in lightweight could he fight him uh, Francesco Patera we've got a name there you know Lewis Ritson possible possible if he, if, he, if he could come back you know maybe maybe there'd be a fight there even even someone like James Tennyson I think would be yeah. would be a pretty good fight so there's a few good names there domestically that he could get in the ring with but if he's got an intention of moving forward towards world honours which is obviously quite difficult at the moment because of how solidified it is at the top with all the champions and contenders in that top 10 I think then he's going to have to look around and look at getting a good name, and I think someone like a, a Francisco Patera would be would be a good name. It'd be a good statement of intent to sort of see where he's at. You've got to remember Patera's got victories over Luis Ritson and Paul Highland Jr., so he's got a couple of good names on his record. So maybe if you're looking at a future opponent for Gary Culler, maybe a Francisco Patera would be the, the, the perfect one for me. Yeah, and um, I mean Gary Cully, he's six foot two. I mean it's incredible. Incredible at that height that he makes the weight. To be quite honest with you, it's incredible. Um, he's he's going to be difficult for a lot of opponents. He's he's not easy, um, and I think he showed that against Vasquez. I mean, he he put him down quite early with a bit of a it was a snapshot really. He just sort of dipped his hand down and and but it hurt him, uh, Vasquez. And as you say, Vasquez was clearly getting on a bit. Um, didn't quite show. Uh, yeah, I, I just think the age, I think it's pretty evident there. Uh, but I did like the finish as well. I mean, uh, Cully looked good in, in pink sequins there, didn't he? The Diva. And <laughs> I was thinking, rolling in with pink sequins, you're going to need to produce a show. And um, and he did. A lovely one too. Finished off Vasquez in, in good fashion. But the first name that sprang to mind for me was James Tennyson, I think, because, you know, you know, he's from Northern Ireland and you got Southern Ireland. Yeah, that would just add a little bit of spice to it, wouldn't it? Uh, so that was the first fault for me, James Tennyson. But uh, yeah, he's he's a little way off. But I'm not. I don't think too many fighters are going to want to take on a six-two southpaw. I think that alone puts people off. And he's shown he's got, you know, the jabs there, the range is there, and he's got a bit of pop. Uh, he's got good footwork, and he's got. Um, yeah, he's, he's just entertaining to watch as a whole. So, um, I, I'm I'm excited to see him and how he carries, how he goes through his career, and see what how he gets on against the next phase in his career and against better opponents. It's going to be interesting. So I want to talk about Sandy Ryan's loss, a split decision loss to Erica Annabella Farias, the former two-time world champion. 
I want to talk about this fight because it leads a lot of questions for me in my mind about you know how how fighters can be fast tracked and I know the depth of the women's division isn't so great, but how quickly do you want to put a fighter in with a former two-time world champion? And they did this in the fourth fight for Sandy Ryan, who's not been the distance before throughout her career in the ten rounds, and she she's not just she wasn't just fighting anybody. You know, like you see some of the names that come up, and you think. You know, who have they beaten? Absolutely nobody. It leads you to question the quality of the fighters that the opponents have sometimes been in with. But this this was a former two-time world champion. And they put her in there in a four-fight. And I think it didn't really work out for her very well. I think you could see that at times for Sandy Ryan that there was a lot of inexperience in the professional side of the sport that came into it. And there was a lot of traps set by Farius where she was using all of that 31 fight experience against the th- the four fight novice. Uh, and I think kind of all this hype around Sandy Ryan turning over and, and the amateur accolades that she's got behind her, I think sometimes it doesn't always work out. And we've seen this a few, on a few occasions. And I was very surprised when they made this fight. I wasn't so sure, you know, whether it would be a fight too soon. But I kind of suppose I got sucked into the hype just a little bit myself maybe I looked at what she's done in the ring so far and I thought maybe she would take care of an aging Farias and she didn't she made she made multiple mistakes in the fight she was she was trying to use the counter left hook too much in this fight she 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 got into a into a bit of a slugfest with Farias which is what Farias wanted to do she brought it down a level she brought Sandy Ryan to her level whereas Ryan had that physical advantage over her and she just didn't seem to use it as the fight went on she started out really well early on but then as the fight wore on she started to get drawn into a dogfight and then she was for me just got out muscled and out hustled throughout the fight I think the the other talking point uh, about this was the fact that somebody actually give this one of the judges actually give this to Sandy Ryan Michael Alexander actually give Sandy Ryan four rounds over Farius which I thought was again you know another ridiculous scorecard and I bet nobody will talk about it because it's not so much of a significant fight like Taylor Catra was nobody's going to really question this too much but I thought for me that was a pretty ridiculous card because it was quite evident that Farias won this fight by a good two to three rounds and the other two judges Steve Gray Bob Williams they had it that way they had it uh, 97-94 and 95-94 so they obviously saw the right outcome but you know, when you get a, a judge again who sees the complete opposite and scores it quite wide, you start to question it again. And nobody's really spoken about it this weekend because they've all been in awe of the, the Wood Conlon fight. But I just want to pass it over to you and sort of find out what your thoughts are on Sandy Ryan, that performance, and, and obviously, again, the, the lack of conversation around Michael Alexander's card. Yeah, that slipped under the radar, that one, didn't it? Um quite surprised that it actually went to a split decision um for me sandy ryan lost the fight it was pretty evident on the night and as you say you know sandy's what she had uh 69 near on just under 70 fights as an amateur um and uh you know we all know the amateur scene you know any fighter that has that background has always got a nice head start moving into the pros but when you do make that step into the pros it is completely different it really is and like Farius as you say a very experienced professional fighter and as you say she did set traps she did at times just show the levels of 
even at her age, that there is a significant level between someone that's just moved into the program and has only had four fights. It is it's so evident. You know, you can't really be throwing her in that early. And that's bad matchmaking. That's that's pretty much what it was. Um, that wasn't good matchmaking. They believed she would be better than she was. She will learn from it without a shadow of a doubt. But, um, yeah, it, it was just, it was a bad matchmaking decision from them. I think they should sound it would have been, no one would have raised an eyebrow if she thought someone that we didn't really know. Um, uh, you know, I think she needed that experience. You always need that against those professional level fighters where they've been in difficult situations and they, they can, they force you into making decisions that you've never had to make before, even in her 70 fights as a as an amateur. Um, but yeah, again, that scorecard, Sean, I mean, yeah, terrible scorecard. Um, not quite sure what he was watching. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, the 95 94 I thought was pretty close, but I suppose Ferris did she did get a point deduct, deducted, so I suppose that's probably where that became a little bit closer. I thought it was about three rounds yeah, uh, in favor of Ferris, but um, yeah, um, that's a great point. I mean, we don't we won't look at it because obviously Sandy didn't get the decision, it should have been a UD, um, but it's definitely something you need to look at. Why, you know, why are these guys pulling out scorecards like this, and what are they seeing what we ain't? And I know there's they're sitting other sort of areas of the ring and whether they see certain things differently. That's something that's sort of been thrown out since the Taylor fight. Um, I'm not too sure with it. I think, you know, you can pretty much score a fight um, no matter where you're sitting in the arena. Um, there are punches sometimes you don't see, but you can tell over the course of 10 rounds whether someone's won this fight or not. And that is poor. Well, at the end of this episode, before we round up, before we finish this episode, I'm going to have a little bit of a conversation about what's happened with the Taylor Catterall stuff and, and, and it'll bleed into that after having this conversation yep. about Michael Alexander's scorecard. So just rounding up the rest of the card then before we get into that can of worms, Terry Harper came back, suffered a court, suffered a bit of adversity in her career, but was able to gain a 10-round unanimous decision and she now picks up the vacant WBA Intercontinental Female Lightweight title. Of course, it's the first fight at Lightweight. Puts her in the WBA rankings as a result of that now. So we'll get to see her stepping forward, uh, trying to push her career on for a future world title shot. Uh, Kahamine Agiako got a 10-round unanimous decision. Tom Whitaker Hart got a first round stoppage. Tom Carty got a fifth round stoppage. And the debut of Nico Leviaz over points. He won over four rounds against Jose Hernandez. And that was that that card. That was the main card of the weekend. And I wanted to go back to this conversation because it's fresh in my mind. It's something that we haven't had the chance to address because it's happened in the midst of our Big Fight preview and reaction shows. And that was the British Boxing Board of Control downgrading Ian John Lewis from an A-star referee to just an A referee. Not an A-star referee, just an A referee. So he's been demoted, essentially, from high-profile fights, which is something we have been championing for, for quite a while. And we've you've mentioned the football analogy so many times, Johnston, about how they should be demoted. And I'm quite frankly not satisfied with that as a fight fan. I don't think it was good enough. I don't think the overall statement from the British Boxing Board of Control was good enough. I think they've basically, in one sense, they've admitted that it did make an impact on the fight but in then the third I think it was the third paragraph they sort of admitted it affected the fight but then in the fifth paragraph they're saying it didn't affect the fight so it was very contradictory in terms of their statement and all they've said is that they're going to write to all the governing bodies of all four organizations and request that 
Jack Catterall becomes mandatory for all four titles. I mean, what what load of shit is that going to do? On, let's be honest. <laughs> what is what is that going to achieve? The British Boxing Board of Control are going to write to all four of them. All four of them are not within the jurisdiction of the British Boxing Board of Control. They can literally just ignore them letters and do what the hell they want now. It's their organisations. Yeah, okay, they've got relationships with the British Boxing Board of Control, which is great. And and obviously the British Boxing Board of Control do some great things for this sport, especially health and safety. You know, they're one of the best in the world for that. But when it comes down to this, this judging, the outcomes themselves investigating their own failings internally and not having someone independent come in, demoting Ian John Lewis to a, an A referee rather than an A star one is a step in the right direction. But I still don't think it's good enough. I, don't, I didn't think the whole thing was good enough. And nobody else agreed, especially Jack Catterall, especially Jamie Moore and many other people in the boxing fraternity said it was just another poor showing. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we've spoke about the demotion of referees, and I think that's justified. Um, not quite sure, Sean, what an A star and an A one is. To be honest with you, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. What does that mean? He's just going to be doing small hall shows. Is that what Ian John Lewis is now going to be doing? Is that what it is? Is that what that is that what that means? It just means he's being demoted from the higher profile fights to the world title fights. So he's not going to be in a big fight. So he, no. he'll still be on a card, on yeah. a major card, but yeah. he will be sort of um, refereeing the, the, the debuts or, or the ones that are just slowly coming through, right? Okay. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, fine. Um, uh, so I'm talking, so hang on, so I'm, I, one minute, because he's, he's a referee and he's a judge as well. So they're downgrading him as a judge or a referee or as the whole thing. Well, it's an a, he's, he's gone from an A-star referee to an A-referee, which right. just, to me, just means... So he won't that, be judging the big... He ain't going to be no, judging or refereeing no, the big fights. No, he's not. He's yeah. not. That's the thing. He's not going to be in the high-profile fights like that was. So you won't see him in another world okay. title fight for quite a while now. But He'll the trouble is, the one thing I will say is... Um, because on the other on the other side of things, they're saying that they were sort of they were happy with what he produced. He, he he gave them the evidence that he gave them. They sort of accepted it. Um, I mean, it it doesn't really make any difference to me because we've already got other referees that are judges and 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 still make ridiculous scorecards. It isn't just Ian John Lewis that does it. I think I think the biggest point is there needs to be some sort of I don't know. It's some sort of guidelines. I don't really know. Um, how to go about it. I mean, I've been, I've been racking my brains. Um, I mean, I know someone mentioned, I think it might have been Tyson Fury that mentioned releasing uh, a judge's card every round. So every round. I mean, I think one of the organisations used to do it after sort of every quarter in the fight. They would just um, announce the, the scoring at that time. Um, and everyone will be able to see it in the arena and the corner. So you already know whether you're winning or losing the fight and if you need to make adjustments. Um, I'm not quite sure if that's the right way to go about it. Um, would a because if a judge has sort of seen four, say we watch six rounds of a fight and one judge has seen it the other way to the other two, and then he gets booed, is he now going to just start changing his scorecards because he's like, shit, I'm get, I'm getting this wrong here. Um, I just think there needs to be some sort of education in terms of how on earth. I mean, what what I want to know what he what was his reasoning. That's what I want to know. I I still don't quite understand. He's not gonna he's, he's gonna go and make the same mistake again. That's what I'm saying. These boys, they're old dogs. They're not. They don't. They can't learn new tricks. I mean, some possibly the, the occasional one might be able to. But we need some young, fresh blood in this whole 
thing. Um, and I know it's difficult because who wants to be a referee and who wants to be a judge? Um, that's the that's the problem, isn't it? Um, I don't know. I just want some guidelines of something where we can have some indication as to what exactly some judges are looking at and what others ain't. We have it with boxing training. So a boxing training. So if you're a fighter and you've got to go and you need to work on your defensive skills, you're going to try and find yourself a defensive coach if your attacking skills are good. You know, like um, um, sometimes you have a coach that have all the whole package, but there's nothing in the, in the refereeing. Like, is there certain referees out there we can identify that they they prefer attacking boxing and this judge prefers defensive boxing. So therefore they're going to score differently on the so maybe they need to bracket them out or something have them put them into sections as to who prefers the attacking more advanced sort of are you going to give points shouldn't matter though towards your fighter it i know i'm it just what i don't it shouldn't matter it shouldn't but what i mean i'm just trying to figure out a way of uh, it's just not going to change anything all right ian john for the next few months is not going to do any big fights that ain't it doesn't mean he's never going to get a big fight again he will and it's not just him i think that's the point i'm trying to make it's not just Ian John Lewis's fault. There are other judges and other referees that do exactly the same thing, and we need to identify what on earth they're seeing that the rest of them ain't. That's that's all I think it needs to be done. But you know, I mean, we 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 mentioned about making it in no context. Obviously, the British Boxing Border Control cat it was without with not within their power to be able to do that because of the four organisations. They've put a letter forward. Let's be honest, you know, these that. The, all four organisations, if they turn around and go, yeah, all right, we'll give Jack Catterall another shot and undisputed, I'd be very surprised. It's not going to happen. No, it's not. It's not going to happen because of all the sanctioning fees that they'll be able to get from sanctioning exactly. four, four other fights, including four separate fighters. It just makes fighters. it easy. It just, for me, it just makes it easy for it to be corrupt. And if it's not corrupt, then for us to theorise the fact that it might be. I think that's the, that's the trouble with the sport. Yep, right, yep that's, that is the problem. And that is the big can of worms that is going to continue to stay open as long as British Boxing Border Control continues to be not very open about communications when it comes yeah. down to how they investigate people. It needs to be people. more tr- transparent. It needs yep. to be more transparent. Exactly. That, that is the problem. And that, unfortunately, it's not going to change until there is more transparency. And we are going to continue to rant on about it, probably for another number of years, <laughs> until something else happens within the sport which causes great controversy like this. And it's sad that we have to just sit and accept it. I mean, we're not accepting it. We condone it. We don't condone it. Everybody's on social media doesn't condone it, but there's nothing they can physically do to change that now. So it is what it has to be for the time being and, and until something else happens. It's sad. It's sad for Jack. It's sad for Jack's team. Uh, fortunately, they were able to get some good news over the weekend because Mark Leach managed to capture yeah. the British title over the weekend, which is a fight that I didn't mention earlier on, which I just wanted to highlight. He did capture the British title over Chris Bork on the Friday, which was great news for him. So well done to Mark and Jamie Moore, Nigel Travis and the team for, for coming out of that and getting a little bit of glory. And, and it's good to see all the teams still sticking together, even in the midst of of all the crap that they've dealt with over the past couple of weeks. Uh, but that's it, Johnston, for us, for this episode, for the Big Fight Reaction to what is definitely going to be a fight of the year contender by the end of the year. When we do our awards show, this will definitely be in there because there's not going to be many more fights like Wood and Conlon this year. And even if there are, 
you know, this one for me has everything and it's had everything. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing this again at the end of the year and, and looking at what other fights we've seen. And it, it just sits right up there as one of the great British fights and one of the great comebacks in British boxing history. And I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to this episode, the big fight reaction on Wood versus Conlon. Please do give us your thoughts on social media. If you have any regarding this fight and any of the conversations we've had, you can do that at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and the YouTube channel also. Fight fans, we'll see you on the next show. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.